Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, dear brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the <laughs> realest podcast in the dunya. We're back again with the beautiful brother here, SQ. We're back for another one. The first one was so legendary. We had to do it again. Mashallah, yep, yep, several, yeah. uh, what, like an hour or something later? <laughs> a couple, yeah. couple weeks. What you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about? You jail, bro. Yeah, right, so loud. But today... Oh, we, we got a good one for him today. Yes, yes. Today, we got a good one for y'all. So, we want to get into... Uh, I completely forgot. Come on, it's, bro. It's not you, you were making story. so much it's progress, bro. story, though. Bruh. It kind of is. <laughs> Literally, bruh. No, no, it's, it's good. It's advice for reverts, bro. Okay, yeah, so... Advice for reverts. We want to get into advice for reverts and advice for Muslims who may not be practicing that well, but, you know, they're, they're aware of this. They want to change this because, let's be honest, you have non-Muslims who, you know, Allah guides to Islam, but you have born Muslims who Allah brings back to the mm-hmm. real deen, the mm. deen of Islam. Mm-hmm. So, I'll start with you, bro. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wow, mashallah, barakallah. What, what an amazing uh, intro that we just had right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's good, it's good. Uh, you know, subhanAllah, you mentioned a good point, Brack, bro, bringing people back to Islam. And um, sometimes that's just what needs to happen. And remember that the scars that we have tell a really unique story. A lot of us run away from that idea of scars. We try to like, you know, mask up and have these perfect perceptions of who we are. And, you know, a person maybe watching for the first time sees you, sees someone like myself who just has tattoos and, oh, Muslim tattoo, how does that make sense? You know, each scar tells a story. It tells who we used to be. And it's a sign that we've grown. It's a sign that we've grown. And uh, for those of you feeling like alienated a little bit, but I'm not a reaver, how am I going to benefit from this? No, there, there's going to be a lot for everyone to benefit from this, inshallah ta'ala. So, you know, for me, you know, going, we, we were speaking about this as well too. What brought me back to Islam was a breakup. It was a breakup. It was me getting my heart broken, bro. It was, I, I've all, I feel like I've always been a hopeless romantic. I don't know if anyone could like buy with that, being a hopeless romantic. Explain. I just feel like I would do anything for love. If time you're one of those, it's better to love and lose than to never love at all. Yeah, I, 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 I would just, I would, like, I would be that person who would write you a letter and just do something different, you know, like maybe get you a rose. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I, I would, I would just write you a letter and just do something completely different. Maybe get you a flower, and you know what? You might not even reciprocate it to me back. You know, you that might not lead me to get a date. That might not lead me to have anything happen with you. But at least I. Did it, you know? I don't have to live with that regret of, you know, what if I would have like tried to ask him out or whatever the case might be. And I've had this, bro, where there was this really, you know, cute girl at the time. Stop for Allah. Stop for Allah. There was this girl um, in my math class. So I studied mathematics in university for my undergrad, right? Believe it or not. Uh, and uh, <laughs> she, she was just like, you know, I, I liked her. I thought, you know, she was, she was in all my classes and I liked her, whatever the case might be. And then one day I was just like, you know what, I'm just do it. And get a little rose and do all that sort of stuff. And gave the rose. Oh, thank you so much. And I just felt like a lame. Nothing happened. But at least I did it. You know, at least I could say that, hey, I did do it. I didn't, you know, go about it. And I just feel like maybe because I didn't get the love at home I needed. I thought that I needed to get love from other people. And that, for me, that was a big point, bro. Because, I, and we spoke a little bit off camera about abusive households and growing up mm. in an abusive household. And, you know, our structure of love and our definition of love comes from what we see, you know? 
And me seeing how my father showed his love towards my mom, towards my sister, towards myself, that's the definition of what I know love is. So I mm. never received it. I craved it. I thought that, uh, that I would be complete when I get it from someone. When, you know, the love is within you. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-wadud. You know, he is the all-loving. He's the loving. If we want love, we need to go to the source of love, not the creation. That's a big mistake that a lot of us make, right? We think that we're going to be complete when we get in that relationship. So halal or haram, we don't care because we want the love. So anyone out there really struggling, my, my immediate goal would be like, hey, like, why are, you, why are you chasing love so much, right? What's not right in your life right now that's causing you to want love from other people? Because people would even get married, even in a halal way. But they put all their eggs in that basket for that person, relying fully on that person, thinking that by marrying them, they will complete them. But Dina's, you know, you're, 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 when you get married, half of your deen is completed. But notice that you have to come with your own completed deen Mm. To receive the other half of your mm. deen That means the five pillars And the basics of your deen That has to be on point by you And when you have that You will still find out That you're incomplete Until you have your spouse Right? Look at Adam a.s. Bro, he was in Jannah Think about it, bro Jannah Like, Jannah has everything It's Jannah We all want Jannah But he was incomplete still And Allah knew what he needed He didn't know what he needed Allah knew what he needed He needed a companion And he gave him a companion from him Right? From him, so we know that a lot of us feel incomplete. We want love. We we want a companion. We like it, you know. But you gotta also remember that there's people out there who are slimy, bro, slimy, and they will take advantage of the fact that you're pure, you're pure-hearted. You know that you 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 mean good. You're a genuine person, and they will have hidden agendas and take advantage of you, right? Now, does that mean that you don't trust in you know love and you give up on love? No, it means you put your trust in Allah. You do istikhara. You make a lot of du'a. You, 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 you tie your camel, like we said in the last podcast that we did months ago. Um, and we, we, we put our full <laughs> trust in Allah. You know, we put our full trust in Allah. And we know that Allah, you're going to handle this for me. So uh, I think that for me, bro, being a hopeless romantic definitely came from not getting that love at home, for sure, bro. It's crazy, man. It's crazy that you say that because, uh, and this is... I don't know. This, I don't know. How we going I, into I this. I feel like we're yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, trying to think back. I'm like, yo, am I dreaming right now? You know, when you're dreaming, you're like, yo, how did I end up here? Yeah. No, no. But uh, before I was a Muslim, um, I definitely did that. I looked for that love externally because I didn't really receive it um, in the household. Mm-hmm. And um, damn, like it wasn't until recently that I feel like I started to just kind of give. Give myself that love, you know, because I knew like Allah, Allah provides everything. So I knew like, look, like Allah's gonna give me this external love, but first I need to have internal love for my own self. Yes, sir. You know, and like, I'm, I'm not gonna say everything, but I can see that. Mm. Allah, I can see that. We want to know from y'all if if y'all have similar stories or want to share about you know, because we all have different childhoods. You know, how that shaped you as an adult, how that shaped your entire life. You know, if if that did affect you and, and how you express love, how you like to receive love, mm-hmm. your definition of love, or even if you, you're just not a hopeless romantic, you're the opposite of that. If you don't love, it's tough, bro, for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. I do want to tie back into the trajectory we're going to. That's what I was about to say. I just remember. Yeah. I just remember Go for it, bro. saying. Nah, so, okay. So you said this is what brought you back to Islam. Yeah. In what way? 
Yeah, because a breakup, bro, doesn't that like usually turn people the other way? Yeah. 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 So for me personally, um, and and I think for anyone who's been in love or what they thought love was, you know, Rami's a lover boy, mashallah, I could tell. You know, you don't realize how incomplete you are until you find that person that you really love and care about that they make you whole. And you never realize this whole time you were never complete. And when they come into your life, it feels so good. It feels great, you know? The thought of them leaving or the thought of that love no longer being existent is a scary thought. It brings anxiety into a lot of people. Uh, it's part of the reason a lot of people stay in abusive relationships. It's part of the reason mm -hmm. people never get out when they should have got out. They see those red flags, but because they just want to be loved, you know? And again, this is advice. Why is this in tying into reverts and all that? It's all going to make sense, inshallah. You just got to gotta keep, just pay attention, all right? Just stay with us, inshallah. It'll all come together, inshallah. So, inshallah. so like, you know, like, when when me and this person broke up, right, I felt that knife, that emptiness, that hollowness that before always was there, but I never knew its existence because I never knew what it felt like to feel quote unquote whole. You were trying right? to cover it up. Yeah. I felt like what they did by that breakup is it exposed how broken I've always been. I've always been a broken man, you know, and... I, I, and, and, you know, people think that's a bad thing. You know, you're a broken person. I love it. I'm, I'm a broken person because Allah has allowed my pieces to fall down. And now he's allowing me to put myself back together how I want to, you know, not by how society wants to, not by how, you know, having trauma is not a bad thing. You know, it sounds like a scary thing, but it's not because it allows you to see things for what they are. You go through what you have to go through, and then you grow through it, and you're able to now piece yourself back together. That's just new perspective. Look, I'm not saying like, you know, trauma is not a bad thing. Someone's just like, yeah, you got molested as a child. That's not a bad thing. How dare you? Like, I'm not saying that, right? But even if that did happen to you, you know, subhanAllah, that was your test. That happened by Allah's permission as well, too. Now, what are you going to do with that, right? Are you going to harbor that in, or are you now going to be an advocate for all children, and are you going to be an advocate for all people who've been through that and use that motion and now do something about it to fight for justice for everyone? Those are, hey, those are the same people, right? A person who wants to harbor that feeling and internalize it and just like live with that every day versus a person who uses that as fuel to propel them. And they realize that this is my underdog story. I'm going to help the whole ummah now because that's why Allah allowed it to happen to me. I was abused at home went through abusive relationships because Allah wanted me to go through that so I could be more relatable to the people so that when the ummah feels that pain, I know what that feels like. The average person might not. You know, last episode we spoke about like drugs and these sort of things, you know. You know, a shiuh, which is totally fine, obviously, might tell you that something's haram, right? But they never had that experience. And alhamdulillah, like Allah saved them from that. May Allah protect us all from that. But a person who's been through it, they have a little bit more like hands-on experience mm -hmm. with that, right? Not saying one's better, but you understand what I'm saying. A person who's been through abuse, trauma, uh, some type of childhood trauma, sexual trauma, something like that, they have a perspective that no other person can have. You understand? So when a person speaks to you about it, you're not just going to be like, oh, just have sabr. That's not just a cliche answer you're going to be given, right? You're able to elaborate a little bit more. So Allah allowed you go, to go through that. So tying it back in, you know, I've realized how empty I was. And they just exposed how broken I've always been. I've been a broken man my whole life, starting from my childhood, starting from how I love and everything like that. And 
when Allah put me back into the dunya, I went back to what was making me whole before. Allah gave it to me even more, bro. Like the parties got even louder, bigger. Uh, I became even better. Uh, I, I got even crazier situations. I got even in cooler, hijinks, everything. But I'm that same person who's the who's the life of the party. Yo, SQ's here. You know I mean, they didn't call me SQ. They called me as well, you know. But you know, I'm here. You know, popping bottles, doing all that sort of stuff. But that same person is at you know three o'clock in the morning, driving home, crying on the highway because I feel so empty and alone. I just wanted love, and I wasn't getting that. And I was chasing love. I was trying to find love in all the wrong ways because I was hurt. I was so hurt, you know, and. Um, I admire reverts, bro, because they, you know, like they have so many unique stories and, you know, they take that hurt, that whether that be spiritual hurt from previous religions that they might have been growing up on or whatever led them to Islam, and they allow them to seek the truth and they realize that it's not a person that they were missing. They weren't broken because of that trauma childhood. It was that connection with Allah. And that revert is searching for that. That person who came back to Islam realizes that what they're truly missing is the connection with Allah. And obviously that's what happened with me as well. So I'm that. Mm. I think this is the, the very important part to highlight because you do have a lot of born Muslims like you have Rami, you have Fayyad, and they had their own awakening. Mm-hmm. They had their own part where it's like they realized, like, damn, like something is missing. Like, it could have been as simple as Rami, like your experience. You said that you were watching this video on, it was Shaitan, right? Yeah, Iblis and how he became Shaitan. And then this just made you see what? Just, uh, I, I just listened to it. I'm like, you know, SubhanAllah. Like, I didn't say that at the time, but I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> this is interesting. This is cool. I'm like, let me look into this. And I just started watching more and more. And I'm like, this this religion I was born on that I never practiced. You know, this has something here. Mm-hmm. Kept going into it. I got to like David Wood videos, refutations to Islam, then uh, rebuttals from Islam towards the, those refutations and handling all of them in such a, a beautiful manner, mashallah. And I was like, wow, this this is it. Isn't it so weird that this thing known as Islam that we were just put on from birth, right? And we just had it within arm's reach. Yeah. We 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 didn't know the value of it until... We knew the value of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bro, and what was it for you? Um, well, I know my mom and dad are watching this. They hate when I, you know, talk about Jahiliya, bro. May Allah bless you for watching and always tuning in. But at the end of the day, make sure you subscribe, mom and dad. Oh, they make oh, sure bro, make sure bro, you they, hit they the, the thumbs first up. Ones. Good, they're the it. first ones, bro. Um, I think my parents are our biggest fans, bro. May Allah bless beautiful. them. Yeah, but uh, what I wanted to say was, I had a similar story to you. We didn't even let him finish his story, but no, there's a little intermission right now. But I was deep into Jahiliya, doing X, Y, Z, whatever that entails. I'll let you all use your imagination. But you shouldn't because you should assume good of your brother. Stuck for Allah, bro. Such a paradox. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, I advise you, please do not expose your sins. Yeah. So it was like going into that and just living a life that everyone else was living. Following what society was telling me. Believing their lies of this will get you happiness. This will get you enlightenment. This will get you fulfillment. Do this. Everyone's doing this. Don't be a don't be a party pooper. You know. Don't be don't be boring and don't whatever. And in that time, I let that get the best of me. And this is a very slippery slope because Shaitan doesn't come to you in the thing you were talking about in the other episode. Red horns, yeah. tail, pitchfork, none of that, bro. Shaitan comes to you as a disguise from your friend, from your close ones, from your yes, loved sir. ones, from your boys, from your homies, right? 
And before you know it, you're caught in it too deep. And when I was caught in it too deep, I let it get the best of me. And I was at a point where I was like, things were not looking good, bro. Let's say that. And I didn't think I would come out of that situation. And I did the only thing that my parents fully etched into me growing mm-hmm. up. The only thing that they really hammered into me, which was dua. It's this, you know, they would always tell me. I was, I was always an inquisitive kid, so I was like, what is dua? Mom and dad, what is dua? And they were like, you take your hands. You don't need to, but it's not the time. They're like, take your hands. You make a request. You cry out for help out of desperate need to Allah, the creator of the heavens and earth. And you request and you beg him for whatever you need. And you might get it, you might not, but you never stop making dua nonetheless. So was I in a state to be making dua? Probably not. Was I in a state for prayer? Probably not. Was I praying at the time? Who knows? But what I do know is it's like a fitra thing, you know? I knew at that moment I have to. It's kind of like a person that's drowning, you know? There, there's, there's a lot of people that... You know, when they fall into the water, they can't swim, right? They don't think about like, will I drown? Will I not drown? What's the buoyancy and all this, all this nonsense? They're just like making all these. It's, it's like a fitra, bro. It's like a survival mechanism. You know, like they they do these things to just keep their head above water, even if they're drowning. Like they're still struggling, bro. It's like you know, you see in the movies when someone you know holds you underwater, you just you're doing it, right? And that's that's like the closest analogy I could give. It's almost like I knew in that moment I just need to make dua. And I made dua to Allah. I was like, Allah, get me out of this situation. You know, I know I messed up. I'm the one that got myself into the situation. But Allah, ya Allah, if you're out there and you're listening, please help me out of this situation. And I will never, ever, 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 you know, be caught up in this nonsense ever again. And I'm not going to say I made a whole 180 and sell them a dream or anything like that. Although those miracles do happen to people. But for me, it was the first glimmer of hope or serenity, peace, calmness, tranquility that I've ever gotten in my entire life, let alone deep in Jahiliya. And I knew in that moment, two things. Number one, Allah doesn't owe us anything. Why did he give me that? And number two, well, to continue number one, not so I could take it for granted. But number two, I knew that even though how deep down the wrong you know direction I was I knew that Allah is real and it's just a fitter thing I was never like atheist <laughs> maybe agnostic but I was like I knew Allah is real and I know there's gonna be a day of judgment and I know that if I act like those atheists now that Allah has given me this peace and I go back into doing xyz I knew the next time I cry out to Allah if he doesn't help me then I can't say anything, bro, at that point. Mm-hmm. I can't be like, yeah, Allah, I was going to do it. And if Allah was to, you know, tell me that I helped you once, but then you did it again, you insisted, you went back on your word, I would literally just be caught dead, like in my tracks. I couldn't even say anything at that point. And I didn't want to test the mercy of Allah because I knew what happened when I, you know, just took things into my own hands. So I, in that moment, I was like, okay, I have to like turn my life around. And what's a man if he doesn't have his word, bro? So I had to keep my word with Allah, my pact or, or deal or truce, whatever you want to call it. Even though this is like apples and oranges, it's, too, it's not an equal playing field. This is not a mutual agreement or anything. There's no contract, right? Allah didn't owe me this. Allah is, is the 100% responsible for me getting out of the situation, right? I had nothing to do with it. It was the mercy of Allah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to play around with that, bro. I don't. Mm-hmm. Call it love. Call it fear. Call it whatever. 
But it was me realizing at that moment then and there that I, I, I cherish this too much, bro. And I kind of did leave things cold turkey. And I know, you know, we were talking about the reality of reverts and people leaving Jahiliya, you know, Muslims finding Islam later. It's not always a cold turkey thing, right? But for me, it kind of was. For me, it was not cold turkey. Mm -hmm. You know, you go years by behaving a specific way. It's tough to just like give that up. But I will tell you one thing, though. Um, this time around, when I would do something haram, mm -hmm. it felt bad. That was the difference. Like when I when I accepted Islam and like realized that this is the way I need to follow and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me. Now those same things that were sins that before I never considered sins, I just thought it was a night out or it was just something to smoke, it's just something to drink. Social like, thing, yeah. Yeah, like I, nothing, I never thought twice about it. Mm. Now it started feeling wrong. It started feeling, I started feeling bad about it and I started feeling the actual effects of it, you know? And um, I remember when I like had just accepted Islam and started following it. One thing that I quit cold turkey, alhamdulillah, never had a problem with it, alhamdulillah, was drinking. I never liked it. I thought it was stupid. I just like never liked the thing. I just knew it was something social that we had to do, you know? And again, so many peer pressure societal stuff, you know? And it's just bad. And it's expensive, guys. Like, oh my God, like I could just go on about it. It's just a terrible, stupid, terrible thing. It's stupid. disgusting. Like it's disgusting. I don't even have to, it's nasty. It's so disgusting. Like I don't I, I can't say that enough. Okay. Anyways, and how you feel afterwards is just so sloppy. Oh, like it's just, you just like, come on. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> if you really want to be put off from like drunk people, right? Be the designated driver or that sober person, right? You oh will see people God. for what it is. And it is annoying. You're babysitting everyone. And you're just like, yo, this is so bad. Like, And then you start realizing, this is how I was? I was doing this too? Like, oh, you know what? You, you just realize, like, yo, this is not how I want to live. This is not how I want to be. So there were certain things for me that was totally easy to give up uh, when I had turned back to Allah. But there were certain things to me that were extremely difficult. One thing for me that was extremely difficult uh, was women women was so tough bro just because like i just love women i don't know you know it's just it was just so tough but going back to that point when something wrong happened it felt wrong and that's an experience i didn't have before where i would be coming back and i felt ashamed i never felt shame before you know doing it it always felt like a badge of honor i'm texting people i'm you know bragging about it you know we're talking about like yo it's gone to the body that's what you're talking about now you're like I, I just really, I've really wronged myself just now. Like, come on, what was that? Like, what was that all about, you know? And I never had that experience before. Prior to that, it was just like, can't wait to tell the boys about this. Now it's just like, I don't want anyone to ever know about this. Like, this is just... It was a natural oh, thing that happened. Oh, no, like, cover mm -hmm. me up. Like, cover me up. And it's interesting because when Adam, alayhi salam, and Hawa, uh, alayhi salam, like, they, they were exposed... The first thing that they got exposed was their clothes, that they were not wearing any clothes. And they immediately started covering themselves up because there was this, this haya that they had, you know? And I think that that's what I experienced for the first time, a haya. Not first time, like, ever, mm. but first time that, you know, like, I remember it now. Mm. Maybe last time was, like, when I was a kid, but, like, now, when as, in like, a little bit more of an adult. So... I realized like, ah, oh, this is bad. This is not good. And I remember my friend was just like, oh, so what are you doing? And I was just like, I was lying. I was like, nothing. Uh, I mean, you know, I didn't want to even say anything. Before, it would be the opposite, you know? And th this was a big, big struggle for me. So I know like out there, a lot of you are probably still stuck in a sin. You know, it, it can happen. But just know that don't give up on yourself. 
because Allah hasn't given up on you. And that's something that you got to remember. You know, Allah hasn't given up on you, on you and you shouldn't give up on yourself. Instead, turn that, that worry into worship a little bit more. You know, what are you worried about? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you some pure resources. He's given you seven pieces of bones that you can use to prostrate to Him. You have your hands, you have your head, your nose, right? You know, your knees, you have your feet. You could just turn to Him in full sincerity and He'll respond to you, right? Why are you so upset? Why are you giving up on yourself? You are not your sin. That's something people need to understand. Mm -hmm. You're not defined by your sin. Your identity is not your sin. Why did the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, look how prophetic this was, right? And it's going back to what you said in the last episode about, about that triangle, about uh, how, what was it that you said about how you think, how you feel? Yeah, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Thoughts, feelings, and actions, right? So you do bad, you feel bad, you think bad, and it's a loop, right? Okay, you did bad, haram, something wrong. Now you think bad, you feel bad, loop, loop, loop. What did the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? He said, when you do a wrong action, replace it immediately with a good action. Mm. Change your state. Change mm. your state immediately. Break that loop. Break that feedback immediately. Why? Allah is the most forgiving. No one had to die for, for your sins and all that. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't worry. It's okay. Allah's nature is forgiving. Allah, by default, is very forgiving. His mercy is forgiving. You know? So... If if you're someone out there, don't give up on yourself, you know, because you're a journey. This is a story. This is a scar. This is something along the way. And you're going to look back at this and you're going to see your growth. Because as a new Muslim, there's going to be a, you have to be a little bit more flexible with yourself and realize that, look, there's a learning curve that, that I have to go through. And the Prophet mentioned that every son of Adam is a sinner, bro. Like authentic narration. And, and the best of sinners are those that repent. So it's in our fitrah, bro, to mess up. It is. That's the reality, bro. A lot of people don't want to identify with that, but... Yeah, I just think it's crazy that the plan of Allah is just it's so perfect. And we only see it when we're looking back. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't mm -hmm. see it in the moment. But we, we're looking back now and we can see it. Like, you know, we, we, we... I didn't say mine, but you guys said, like, what kind of, you know, brought you back to Islam. Yeah. And, like... For Rami, it was it was simple. Like he just watched the video, but like think about all the other stuff that had to happen in order to lead up to that. Mm. Think about Fayed, your situation, all the stuff that had to happen for you to basically get into that moment where you had to cry out to Allah. Think about you, like what happened before you had to get to a moment where you had your heart broken. You know, and it's like I had a whole bunch of stuff happen. I can't say that okay, um, because before Islam, I was engaged, mm. and. Um, you know, I saw this girl as like the one that I was gonna, you know, be married to, all this stuff, you know, spend my life with, Christian woman. Uh -huh. But it's like, bro, that didn't work out. Allah had, you know, I planned one thing, Allah planned another. Yeah. Right? And in the moment I couldn't see it. And I'm not gonna say that that's what led me to Islam, but that was a factor. Yes. You know, so it's like it's crazy yes. to see how all these things are just bringing us back to Islam. And um, I, I guess like the the reason I wanted to bring that in is to tie it all together. Mm -hmm. Where it's like it doesn't matter if you're a weaver. Yeah. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're a born Muslim. Like we're all going to the same place. This we're is all the path. have the same path. Yeah. 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 It's the path. And your past is your path. And if we start making a different meaning of our past, because a lot of times Shaitan will cause cause us to overthink our past, you know, and think that maybe we're not even worthy of guidance. Maybe we're not worthy of a you. You're going to pray. You know what you was doing yesterday? And this oh is for people. God, like, bro. look, uh, the way I look at myself is I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering sinner. There's certain people I can't be around because they're going to trigger certain things about me. When you go to like AA meetings, right, for Alcoholics Anonymous, you 
they tell you you're not allowed to be in the vicinity of alcohol. You can't, right? So if I know people are like maybe smoking weed around me, it doesn't matter how clean I've been for how long, I'm this close to relapsing any, at any given moment. Why? I have the muscle memory of how do you roll a blunt. I have the muscle memory of how do you break it. I have muscle memory. It's like getting back on a bike. I would know exactly how to do it. If I went to a bar, I would know exactly how to order a drink, right? You keep yourself away from these situations because you're a recovering Mm -hmm. sinner, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how I view myself. I'm a recovering sinner. I need to stay away from things, from people who lead me back, people who remind me of those things. And remember that our past has brought us on this path, you know? And if you're someone who's trying to get better, you know, because there's a lot of us, and you know, reverts or someone who's just coming back to Islam, you might just have this streak of you're doing great, but then mm-hmm. shaitan comes. It's, yeah. It is what it is, you know, and you're going to mess up. You might commit a minor sin or it could be a major sin, right? Yeah. And now he's going to prevent you from, from coming <laughs> back to him. And this reminds me of something. You know, when Musa al-Islam had come to the court of Pharaoh and there was those two magicians, Right? They were the chief magicians. They knew the magic. They knew it, right? He faced the top of the top, right? And um, when obviously Musa Islam defeated it, they knew that this was something real. They accepted Islam. Okay, cool. And we knew that they died as martyrs. What honors, right? They were not only the first to accept Islam, but they also died that same evening as martyrs. Alhamdulillah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive, right? Magicians, people who were doing kufr and just wrong and shirk and this and that. You're someone who believes in Allah. You believe in His oneness. You believe that there's nothing worthy of worship except Allah. You believe that the Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger of Allah. You believe in all the messengers of Allah. What makes you think that He won't forgive you? Now, this isn't an invitation to just continue to sin. This is an invitation to remember to turn back to Allah. Don't allow your sin to hold you back. Don't allow this negative baggage, you know, this emotional baggage. That's what I found, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of negative emotional baggage that people carry around with them. Islam sets you free of them. When Khalid bin Walid came to the Prophet Muhammad what took him so long to accept Islam was he had emotional baggage. He had this baggage from behind him. And when the Prophet Muhammad had his brother Khalid bin Walid came and he asked about where's Khalid? And, and he said, you know, Khalid, he said, Khalid's too intelligent to not be a Muslim. And then it was moments of that that Khalid bin Walid came to Medina. And when he came over there, people were just shocked and surprised. This is a big deal. He comes and he says, you know, take me to the messenger's house. And then what was stopping him from accepting Islam, bro, was his baggage. Mm. It was his baggage. What was stopping him from coming on the right path? What was doing? It was his baggage. And he came to the messenger of Allah, and he said that, you know, I've killed Muslims. I've killed Muslims. I've attacked you. I've done horrible things to you. Right? I can, I can be, me? I can be forgiven? And the Prophet Muhammad said, Ya Khalid, don't you know Islam forgives everything? So why are you, why are you holding it against yourself? Right? Why, why, like if Allah has forgiven you, why haven't you forgiven yourself? What's stopping you from forgiving yourself? You know, Allah has forgiven you already. Forgive yourself as well. Move on. Let go of that baggage, you know? But shaitan wants us to hold on to that baggage. He wants us to hold on to those prior identities that we had because he knows he could pull you back in and lure you back in. Let go of it. Allah forgives everything. Islam forgives everything. So what's there to worry about? You've done something wrong. Khalas, repent. Turn back to Allah. Allah wants to hold it. So how was the actual journey coming back to Islam? Was it a smooth sailing type journey? Was it... 
in waves. I like mean, how to, bro, like what epic journey is ever smooth? If any, think about any movie that you love. You know, like just we love it when the main character's going through it, right? Right when you think he's making it, boom, he falls again, right? Something else happens to them. They're making it, they're making it. Something else happens, bro. Life and journeys and epics and these amazing stories. We are the hero of our own story. You know, it's not supposed to be easy. That was the first mistake to think Jannah and all these things are easy. It's not supposed to be easy. The, the highway to hell is huge, is wide, you know? In the authentic narration and when, you know, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the angel to go check on the hellfire, he, when he's seen it, he said that the, it's so wide that I feel like everyone will go to it. It has all the temptations. And when he was checked to see the Jannah, it's so narrow that I feel like no one's going to get to it, you know? So it's, it's never smooth, man. It's never smooth. I had to unlearn habits that I had. I had to unlearn things that, that I, I, I was taught by society on what is right from what is wrong. I had to let go of my own ego. I had to submit to Allah that Allah says this no matter what I think. I might think it's this, but Allah says it's that. I cannot justify my actions. I would rather just say, hey, listen, I'm weak, I'm struggling, but no justifying of the actions, you know? And it, it definitely was not a smooth sailing journey. And I'm sure anyone watching home and listening home, it's not smooth Definitely. for you. Easy. It's not. Mm. It's not smooth for you. And that's what makes your story epic, you know? Embrace it. Embrace the fact that it's not smooth, right? Mm. Okay, think about this as a movie, right? That this is your main character. You know, you're going through the worst time of your life right now. Okay, it's bad. Things are bad. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome, right? But now it's in the second half of the movie and we know the second half of the movie gets better. Okay, things were like this, but now what happens? Tell the other side of your story. You've been focusing so much on this story and this narration. Now turn it around. Tell me what happens after that. Because once you start thinking that your story is improving, that's when it does start improving. And that's when you start putting your best foot forward and trusting in the plan of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not disappoint you. you. There's no way someone's going to convince me that Allah will disappoint you. Mm. You're disappointing yourself, bro, by thinking that he will disappoint you. Allah won't disappoint you. Put your best mm. foot forward. And I love that you say that, bro, because it, it just bro, it puts everything in perspective. And the thing that I'll add to it is people really got to you know, take a step back and ask themselves, like, are they the main character in their lives like do they see themselves as the main character or are they a side character mm. have they not been making the time for themselves have they been running away from all these things have they been because think about the main character if, if, if it's truly a main character the main character is going to be taking care of himself he's going to be running towards a lot he's going to have a lot basically like you know like they're going to be the guidance is going to be on point mm. everything's going to mm -hmm. be on point but if if you're like a, a side character like NPC, if y'all are catching my drift here, like how dare you? It, you're not gonna it, think about an NPC. An NPC just kind of like walking all over the place. They'll walk into the wall and mm. they'll they'll do this. Like they ain't, they ain't really doing much. And you know what? They don't allow themselves to take control of their lives. You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala doesn't control your life, right? But you have to tie your camel. Going back to that same example we've used, right? You know, a lot of times people want to be the victim and just blame Allah for their problems or blame their, their upbringing or the abuse or the trauma for their problems and all that sort of stuff. And look, we could have done that too. The Prophet Muhammad saw some could have blamed the fact that no one picked him for the wet nurse and he was left all alone. That's a very sad story. The Prophet Muhammad saw some could have blamed the fact that I was an orphan and no one ever loved me. And 
I was an orphan. I was adopted by my uncles. Uh, my cousins and everyone would eat in front of me and I'd be left with the scraps. Look at how many things. But what we love about it, it's that it's a underdog story and he rises to the top. So wherever you are right now, you can rise to the top. You know what I mean? Take control of your story. Take control of that narrative and don't allow, you know, someone else to tell your story. Just regain control of the reins of that story. Say, Ya Allah, you're in control of this story of now. Let's turn this thing around. Mm. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to, you know, grip, grip it and get it back on, on course. And the funny thing about, you know, the course is that you, you're making that right, but it's you have so much momentum from the failures from before that you're making the right, but it's not turning right. It's still moving to the other way you look like you're going to crash but you have to trust in Allah eventually that momentum will turn you in the right direction you're just having that lag from before and you're in lag time from the previous failure so you don't see the goodness right now but it does take time it does you know and you have to be patient you have to be just know that listen there's a season for all these things if you're hearing this right now that means Allah wants the guidance for you hmm. but you know you have to you have to be willing to take it you know so what do y'all practically think is uh what people should start applying in this situation. What situation? Like let's say um someone's okay realizing, damn, like I have I am the main character in my life. Like damn, I am the underdog. Like I, I need to I need to tie my camel and I need to trust in a lot. I need to do something. I need to change. Like what's the first step for them? I'm gonna combine two things that brother SQ has said. I was gonna say your name real quick by accident, but yeah, we would have to flip that one out. Yeah, that would be a bleep. That's, a, that's, an, uh, that's, an, that's an uncensored thing that only we know, bro. Like, but we'll keep it between us. Um, yeah. But uh, what I was going to say is you made this point before that the alcohol anonymous thing, right? When you quit and you're, you're in, let's say, therapy, rehab, you have withdrawal and all this, you don't put yourself back into the lines then. You don't surround yourself back with these people that are doing the same thing, right? And we also talked in the car, bro, when we were going to get your frozen lemonade. That you never take one thing out. Yeah, show him, show him that, bro. You already know. He's had, he's had. Oh, eye. left hand, brother. No, 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 no. Don't worry. We drink with the right hand. <laughs> Don't even try to do that. <laughs> That's the thing. Bro. My, my man's, my man's talking at the takfiris, bro. Right away, bro. Like, um. So you look at, you look at the point that we were making in the car. You were saying that. You don't replace one thing in your life except that you... You don't remove one uh, thing yeah. in your life except yeah. that you re replace it with something else. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tie both of those points together that you mentioned. And it brings me to the point that... Y'all probably seen that episode with uh, Brother Gabriel a few weeks ago, inshallah, about the, the whole... Uh, his story, you know, coming into Islam, the whole ex-Muslim thing. And what he was saying is a huge reason that reverts, when they come into Islam, where you want to kind of make yourself that main character, take your life in the control of your hands, you know, put Allah first... A main reason they can't do that is they don't have that community aspect. They don't have the surroundings. Mm -hmm. So, you know how you were saying that, you know, let's say you're getting your life together, you're leaving this, mm -hmm. you're leaving this is back there, right? But if you're leaving that and you want to come this way and you want to kind of get your life together, how are you going to do that when you're not fulfilling a new foundation and a new environment? You're not cultivating change. All you're doing is you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to leave that. And I'm just going to go here solo dolo. You're not here like, okay, I need to get new friends. Maybe I need to surround myself with those that are like-minded. Kind of like, let's say someone's broke all their life, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have money. They want to become a millionaire. Anyone can, inshallah, by the will of Allah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to leave these bums, but I'm just going to work on myself alone. You know, can it be done? Of course. Underdog stories, you know, happen mm -hmm. solo. But if you surrounded yourself with millionaires, with people that are making it, you get mentors, you get yes, help. Mentors, yeah. It's a different ball game, bro. 
And that's what Gabriel was saying. The most important thing in his opinion, above all else, once you find out you want to you know, take your life into this direction, come back to Allah, turn back to Allah, is surround yourself immediately, bro. Because human beings, as much as we don't want to admit, we'd rather be following a wrong path, but have environment surrounding us, community, than be following the right path, but be the only one. Rami, what are your thoughts, bro? Um, I agree wholeheartedly with what Faya said. I think it's very important that we have that community aspect. Um, the only thing that really comes to mind, I've had these ayat of the Quran really <laughs> playing on my head, subhanAllah, and I think it beautifully bro, ties it. He, he wasn't was just, just quiet, guys. It's, he's going through it. He's <laughs> thinking about these ayahs, mashallah. I actually had to pull them with my phone to make sure I had them right. <laughs> oh, oh, so uh -huh. yeah. yeah, he's not texting no one. Don't worry, guys. He's engaged. He's engaged. Yeah. <laughs> but um, subhanAllah. So firstly, I want to say if... if when people realize that they're the main character of their life, uh, they have to also realize that they're mainly, and by mainly I mean solely accountable, right? Mm, so this is not, wow. yeah, this is not something like, oh, I'm the main character, I'm I'm the man. It's like yeah. you're also the man that's going to be punished if you don't perform, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you need to keep that in mind. And wallah, it's very powerful verses in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Najm. This is the surah that. All the Quraysh, everyone, even the non-Muslims, put their head in prostration towards Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, except one man who brought dirt to his forehead instead. Um, wow! After after wow. this recitation, Go ahead. yeah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, Have you? He says, "Have you seen the one who turned away? He gave a little bit and then he refrained. Right? He gave a little bit. He did a little bit. He worked a little bit and then he stopped." Allah says. Um, does he have knowledge of the unseen? Or, or has he not been informed of the scripture of Musa, of Moses? Mm. Then he says, and, and Abraham, and notice what he, how he describes Abraham. And Abraham, who fulfilled all of his tasks. He, did, he, he fulfilled all of his obligations, every single one. We know the story of Musa. He was commanded to slaughter his son. He went... Did it like that. Even his son was like, do it. Go ahead. Ibrahim My bad. Yeah, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Yeah. That lemonade got you. Don't worry. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Right? He did it just like that. He fulfilled all his obligations, right? Um, and then this part, man. And that in the scriptures also it says that every soul is accountable for whatever they earned. For what they did. So if you're the main character, you're also person who's going to be punished for what you do and that Beautiful. you can't give a little Beautiful. bit because it's easy in the in the beginning you guys Beautiful. ever know the you guys know the kruger effect you ever heard of that mm. no tell us the dunning kruger effect there's, there's a chart right put a picture bro editor yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so i'll show, <laughs> show to you guys yeah. so you start anything new right uh -huh. you're here you're at the beginning mm -hmm. your confidence when you do the first bit you learn the first bit is through the roof like 100 percent mm. and then the more you do and the more difficult you realize That's it is exactly. It goes down, 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 down. And then you go into what they call like the pit of despair. You're actually negative. You're depressed with it. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I know we've all felt this for something we've yeah. done. Oh, like absolutely. 100%. Many things. I yes. think even, maybe even most things we've tried to yes. do, like we felt this. Yes. And most things, I don't think we come out of it. Mm -hmm. We end it there. Most people do, unfortunately. But if you mm. keep going, the more you learn, the more confident you get. And eventually you get back up maybe 80, 90% confidence. But you never go back to 100 because you realize, you know, that you'll never know everything. And that's mm. a good state to be in. You're confident, but you're humble as well. Mm. Right? Some people, when they come to Islam, they're very, especially like the Arabs, when they come back, they're very fired up. Mashallah, they have this fire. They're doing good. And then it's like, man, <laughs> you know, I miss being with a woman. I mean, and all this stuff. And it's mm. subhanAllah, it's like, you know, have you seen the one who turned away? 
They gave a little bit and then they refrained. Then they turned back in the end. Oh, so That's literally the Kruger effect, bro. Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah, subhanallah. I just wanna, I just wanna give some quick praise, bro. Mashallah. Tabarakallah, bro. Um, to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but Mashallah to Rami, who because we're we're on the topic about you know hard work and not giving up, bro. This is your first time meeting us, right? Let's yes, be honest. Sir. Yeah. And I'm assuming you think he's a native Arabic speaker. Yeah, I was he's not. Mm. He didn't grow up learning Arabic. You didn't speak Arabic, did you? No. He doesn't know how to read Arabic. He doesn't know how to uh, speak Arabic. He's not a native Arabic speaker. So when he's doing these, you know, reciting the Quran, talking about ayah, translation, all mm. this, it's all hard work, bro. Do you, it, it's so much harder for someone that doesn't speak Arabic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm assuming you, me, mm-hmm. Anhal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's him too included. Wow. SubhanAllah. No? That's, and, you know, going back to what you said about that dip effect, this is the time where most people quit. But the ones who get up and realize that I need to pull my resources together and recognize mm. that they're in that dip period, those are the ones who are able to survive. Mm. Because if you don't realize you're in the dip, this is normal. For you to go through that little sucky period, it's normal, right? It's a completely normal effect. But that's when people want to quit the most, right? So for example, let's suppose someone's trying to start a podcast, right? There's a sucky period for, in a podcast, right? Yeah. Someone's trying to start yeah. a YouTube channel. <laughs> It's just a terrible period where at first it's all excited because you're learning how to edit and maybe you got your first few subscribers and then it's just like no one's watching the videos. But that's the time where, you know, the, the, this is one of my favorite sayings, you know, the, the, the froth from the juice is separated. You know, that that's what separates you from everyone else. That's the time where you need to go all in on your resources and get out of that dip and prepare to go in that dip process and structure and just know that this thing is going to happen. And, you know, you said it best, brother, and you quoted the Quran in a beautiful manner, mashallah, barakallah, that, you know, everyone has to be accountable for themselves. Take matters in your control and realize, look, and think about it. Any problems that we're in, we put themselves in us. Like, yeah, Allah allowed it to happen, but you did it. Whatever problem you're going through is something that you created from your own hands. And Allah's mercy, he will get you out of that problem as well, too, if you turn back to him sincerely and such. So taking, taking control of your life means you're taking full accountability of your situations. Now, again... Going to the other side of things about going through the trauma issues because someone might be like, I'm supposed to take accountability of me getting, you know, uh, sexually abused. Whatever. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. You don't, that's obviously something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a huge test, a huge challenge that you have to go through. But notice what is in your control is how you respond to that challenge. Mm. Again, going back to it, have you become an advocate uh, the voice for the people, the megaphone, the speaker for all little uh, girls and boys who've been through that. You know, have you become the megaphone for them? Are you their voice now? Because that's your choice, that's your control, that's accountability. You could do that, but yes, you had no control of what happened to you. A child, it wasn't your fault. But right now, are you going to use that to propel you to take you to the next level? Because we all need to be accountable for what's in our control. You know, not everything is in our control, obviously. It's in the last control. But the things that are in your control, take accountability of that and just push yourself to the next level. 100%. And I think going back to the discussion of accountability is perfect because I actually need to correct myself, right? So it's doubly perfect. Jazakallah khair, Allah bless you. And I was going to say when you mentioned that, all the Arab speakers, right? All the, all the Arabi speakers probably picked up on some mistakes I made. And that last bit, actually, I made a mistake there. So... Actually means that no soul will be burdened with the sin of another. Mm. So accountability right there. Mm. And the next one is And that's the one that says that every soul will get what they earned. So just I wanted to correct myself on that. May Allah forgive me for that little slip, but alhamdulillah I corrected it. That's in one of my like favorite uh, recitations. 
it's by um, Omar, Omar Hisham. Omar, Omar Hisham. Hisham. Mashallah. Yeah, Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Um, I forgot which, which surah it is, but it, it's surah at the very end. Surah Najm, it's close to the end, yeah. Yeah. Towards the end, yeah. 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 SQ, bro, talk to the people, man. It's, there's two things we, we commonly get from DMs, bro. Is the whole thing about doubts and then the whole thing about family. Because we have stories from Ibrahim salam from the mm-hmm. Quran about mm-hmm. how he would talk to his father. The ihsan, the adab that he would have. However, the difference in ideology, mm-hmm. in belief, mm-hmm. stark contrast. We, we have stories about Lut salam and there's so much stuff. You yeah, know, the, yeah. when, you, when you get on your path, on, your, on deen, you're kind of leaving your family behind, but not really when you're a revert. It's, it's, a, it's a techie situation, right? So do you want to go into that? Just really quick about that. And, and this goes back to the original topic that in the beginning we spoke about, like mm. abuse of households and stuff like that. You know, you mentioned something that you were told, you know, off camera a while that, you know, you're, they've shown you how to, what was that? You said they've shown you how to be a father or how not to be. You said something like that, like an abusive parent, something. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. yeah. So there's the parents. Okay, so basically I knew a, a brother who was abused by his father. Right, and this this brother was not abusive towards his kids, mm-hmm. and I always found that interesting. Right, so I I would always go to him. I was like, "Bro, how, how are you? Literally, like the polar opposite of your father?" Mm-hmm. Because I see most people just the cycle of hatred, the cycle mm-hmm. of abuse, the cycle of trauma, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, "There's two types of people. One of them says I abused my kids because I got abused as a kid, and the other one says I don't abuse my kids because I got abused as a kid." Mm-hmm. You see. When you mentioned the story about Ibrahim alayhi salam, that's the beauty of it. He grew up in an abusive household. Look at his dad. Look, he, his dad tried to kill him. Right? That's an abusive father. Let's, let's just get this down pat, guys. That's an abusive father. His own dad is taking him to get him burned in the fire. Think about that for a second. But look how he turns out with his son. His sons, right? Both of his sons, an amazing dad, right? And, you know, hey, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards him with such an obedient son. Like, hey, you know, uh, that he will, uh, he had the revelation of that he was going to slaughter his son with no contest, just wanted to do that, you know? And a lot of times parents even might be like, listen, that's how his son should be. That's how it should be. Look at look how Ibrahim al-Islam did it. And look how his son just submitted and just obeyed their father. Didn't say oof, didn't say nothing like that. But you're also forgetting this father-son project that they did called building the Kaaba together. You know, parents, have you spent time with your children? Have you, really? Because Ibrahim has spent a lot of time with his son, a lot. They got to know each other a lot. Father-son building activity. They were building, they were building some treehouse, they were building the Kaaba. They got to know each other. Their relationship got so much better. So if you're wondering why your children aren't, you know, doing whatever they have to do and they're not being obedient to you, ask yourself, have you taken interest in what they want, right? And in return, inshallah, you will see the blessings mm-hmm. and all that sort of coming around. But going back to your point, right? Um, Ibrahim al-Islam went through an abusive household. He was in an abusive household, right? Think about this. As a child, he's abused by his father. Look what he did. His father literally put him at the stake, but he didn't turn out that way. And that just shows that, you know, your circumstances does not dictate your future. Your circumstances do not dictate how you're going to be. It's accountability. You hold yourself accountable and just know that I am choosing to do this and I would rather, you know, move out of love than hatred. And that's how I want to be. I want to move um, with love in mind and my first step of being love rather than hate, hate and, you know, negativity and bearing bad feelings from my past. 
See, I get that, bro. But what I was referring to were the people in the DMs that were talking about, let's say I accepted Islam now mm. and my mom found out and kicked me out. Oh, wow. You know, because yeah, I accepted Islam tough, and my dad found out and he cut me off. Wow. He blocked me. Wow. They ha- it's been a year. They haven't wow. spoken to me. That's tough. And we got Ustad uh, Gabriel Romani on the podcast mm. and he was talking about the same thing. When he accepted Islam, it took him years, bro, to just tell his parents. Mm. And wow. he wasn't even like a dependent to them, you know, and it was tough. Wow. So imagine people living under their parents' test. roof. I, I, you know what? Not only is it what a test, but look how close to the Sahaba they actually are. Think about that. Look how close to the actual Salaf their lifestyle actually is. If you look back at the companions who dealt with this exact issue, we never had to, but look at their 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 struggle, look at their reward that they're gonna get, and look how close to the deen of of how it started off, they actually are to the bare roots for the foundations to the fundamentals, right? It's almost a form of like halal jealousy, like wow, like that's something you have to go through. But this is the interesting part. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, going back to the ayah, he wouldn't like test a soul or a person with more than what they can handle, mm-hmm. right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that you could handle that, but Brother Rami couldn't. So mm-hmm. he didn't get tested with that. Mm-hmm. Brother SQ didn't get tested with that. You did, because you're stronger than me in that regard. You understand? Mm-hmm. You know, you had a different test to how to come to Islam versus how I did, versus how a person who's getting kicked out by their family is. That just shows that your level of forbearance is at a different level than the average person. So if you have to do something that's above average, your reward is going to be above average too. It's not going to be the same as ours. Your reward is at a higher level, right? Your struggle is at a higher level. So why wouldn't your reward be at a higher level too? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you. That should give us you know, comfort. You know, When Musa al-Islam in Surah Taha, is approach, approaches the cave and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals himself and all that sort of stuff. And he gives him this mountainous task. Mountainous, right? That you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him there's nothing worthy of worship. Like the whole thing, right? Now, look, look, you know, you could, this is the time where you just, ah, self-doubt, mm. Allah, really me? Like, you know, you sure? That's not what happened, right? Instead, he embraced the challenge, Right? That's something that's we, we've left that. We've stopped embracing the challenge. Embrace it. Wow. This is the challenge you've given me, Allah. So what did Musa Islam say? Instead of complaining about his circumstances, situations, I don't know. They have a bounty on my head. I don't know. Right? He acknowledged that. This can only happen if you expand my chest and you make my affairs easy for me. So Allah, if you have put me in a situation where I'm in a household where my parents don't want to accept me and they might kick me out, Allah, you put me in this situation, so give me the strength to deal with it. You give me the strength and you expand my chest because this is your responsibility. You put me in this, so Allah, grant me that. And out of humility, out of humility, expand my chest for me, right? And make my affairs easy for me. He's talking to Allah directly. Make my affairs easy for me, expand my chest for me, right? And just talk to Allah. Like, Allah, you put me in this situation because you knew this was best for me. This is a mountainous task for me. Allah, without your help, I can't do it. So Allah, I need your help the whole way. But never ever doubt that you can't do it. Don't doubt that. Because that's how Musa al-Islam did. Mm. I'm shocked, man. Mashallah. Have you ever gotten doubts, bro, on your journey? I think that's a very normal thing, right? Like I think we who hasn't, have. bro? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Rami, Anot, yeah. 
it's such a normal thing. But how does that work, bro? Because Gabriel was talking about it as it's rarely like a logical thing. Mm -hmm. So he was saying that there are things that he intellectually would like address, you know, because I'm sure you see all these clowns on YouTube, mm -hmm. all these people, you know, talking, you know, taking things out of context. And they've all been refuted time and time and again. But Gabriel was saying that even though he rationally refuted these doubts, there was still like a seed that was planted inside mm -hmm. and he just couldn't get it. And bro, I myself, I don't want to talk too deep into doubts, but I would always have this one doubt, bro. It's, it's, it's a kind of weird doubt. It's like an intrusive thought, but it was like, what if like, you know, Islam is just like the highest level of like, so have you heard of Elon Musk's simulation theory? No, not no. really. So basically, uh, I think Rami knows about it, right? So Elon Musk basically said that in the simulation theory that uh, a proposed, I guess, atheistic model is that the world was created by chance, obviously, but it, we were created by, like, we were programmed in a way, by like, like a video game, by these beings or these more intelligent, right? But Rami would talk about how, like, you know, if that happened, then who created them? You know, like it would lead to infinite regression, right? And we had to be created by an uncaused cause. Mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of gave me peace, right? But I was like, it's still, it's still, I still got caught in that loop though. Like, what if it's just like a, like a simulation? Like, we were just created. Like, we made video games. Mm -hmm. we made Super Mario Bros. and all this nonsense, right? And these, these things, these two-dimensional pixels in the game were created by us. What if that was the same thing? But like, a more super intelligent form of consciousness or life. And they created us. And this kind of tripped me out for a long time. And... It, it, for a long time, I could I could intellectually refute it, and and find peace and comfort in Allah and Islam, but it never really went away, until one day it did. But for me, it was doing active, voluntary acts of worship coming closer to Allah that got it away. But when I talked to other people and reverts, for them, they did other things. For some of them, these things never went away. Mm -hmm. So do you have anything like that? You know, there's a narration of the Prophet Muhammad about when it comes to doubts of the shaitan. And perhaps, Brother Rami, you might know about this better, uh, about when the shaitan comes to you with a specific type of doubt. And I, and I read this somewhere, and maybe someone in the comment section can help us out with this as well too, um, about how the shaitan um, has left certain aspects of things and he comes to you with these doubts. And one, there was a statement that the Prophet Muhammad taught us to say, uh, which sort of just dissolves the entire situations, right? And the main concept is that you believe in Allah and His Messenger. Forget about all these intellectual stuff and all that. At the end of the day, when you boil it all down, if you believe that there's only one creator and, and Muhammad is the final messenger of him, that's all you need. You're Muslim. You're, you're, that's all what you need, right? That level of thinking, you're not ready for that yet. You're not ready for that type of thoughts. You're not ready for those type of movements. Focus on what you do know. And all of mm. any type of doubts that you have, leave them aside right now. Focus what you what you actually do believe in. You believe in Allah and His Messenger, then that's sufficient for you. That's enough for you. You don't need to go down these paths and all that stuff. And bro, look at the person that you have to quote right now. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. He himself named, was lost. Yeah. He himself was lost. He named his child a freaking a keyboard like Actually, a bottle yeah. <laughs> He just said, Here, that's you. my child's name. You know what I mean? Is, yeah. that, like, look who you have to quote and mm. remember a creation himself who's mm. trying to give you an idea. When we should be, hey, what did the Prophet Muhammad say about doubts? What did he mm. say about that? And look at our knowledge. Look at how much it lacks that, you know, I don't even know 
what I would have to do in this situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from doubts, but we need to focus on what we know that is certain. Anything that's doubt, you leave it, right? Anything mm. that's doubtful, you leave it. That theory you don't understand, leave that alone mm. because that's not helping you in the situation. It doesn't mm. It doesn't do anything for you. Like what value is that really providing for you? Are you telling me that we're in some stimulation, some game? You really believe that there was this alien-like creatures? Like, come on, this is not a science fiction movie. Like mm. if you really think about it, like come on, cut it out, right? But you leave what it is for the sake of Allah and you just focus on what you do know that you know that it's Allah and his messenger and that's it mm. I'm, I'm gonna look this up too I'm definitely I have to look it up inshallah inshallah bro y'all got any more questions or should I keep going no okay now you have this what time let's is say, it you got 59 minutes bro inshallah a few more minutes and then wrap up so you got you got a brother or sister let's say that's born into Islam or they're a revert you know they come into Islam they're trying to come back to the right path mm -hmm. and a lot of them are mentally convinced that Islam is the truth, okay. but they don't want to do the hard work. Mm. They, I, I hear this in a lot of people. I don't want to air the, the brother's name that you know tells me this um, a lot or the sister's uh, name that tells me this a lot because this is, this is such an important thing. But they're like, I have so much faith in Islam that I know it's the truth, but why do I need to pray? It's in my heart. Like, why, why do I need to pray? Because I already believe in it. That's a very good point. That's a good point. And I want to mention this right now, right here, right? Um, anyone interested in knowing this? You know, I've been chewing this miswaxik the whole time, just going around and brushing and all that sort of stuff, right? Mashallah. If I were to, if I were to, oh, mashallah. Uh, if, if I were to just tell you, right, without brushing my teeth, without miswak, without nothing, that my, I, I've eaten everything all day, mashallah, you fed us, you, you know, mashallah, barakallah, made amazing food. You know, we ate all these sweets, we had all these things, and I told you, my teeth are clean. You'd look at me and be like, that's not true. I said, yeah, no, it's clean. You'd be like, did you brush your teeth? No. Did you do some miswak? No. How can you say your teeth are clean? It's because I feel it. My teeth are clean. They're clean. And you'd be like, no, there's an actual process of cleanliness that you have to perform on your teeth to make that claim. If you say that my heart is good, my heart is clean, mm. the question is, how did you brush your heart? Because Salah is the purifier of your heart. Salah purifies your heart. It's the cleanser of your heart. Because guess what happens if you don't cleanse your heart? The same way if you don't cleanse your teeth, it's not the sweets. Oh, I'm giving you guys a dental lesson right now. MashaAllah. <laughs> it's not the sweets that cause the cavities. It's the acidity from the sugar that causes the cavity and it's untreated nature. When you don't treat the acid, you leave the acid, it rots the plaque of your teeth, the enamel of your teeth, and you develop a cavity, right? It's the acid. So you're thinking here, oh, my heart is clean. Well, Habibi, what did you do to clean your heart? What did you do? Oh, right? oh, oh source, did, trust me. <laughs> no, but this is the question, right? Yeah. How did you clean your heart? Mm. You're saying your heart is clean. Okay, tell me that process. So, azkar, did you clean your heart? Dhikr, mm. did you clean your heart? Quran, did you clean your heart? Uh, the five daily prayers, did you clean your heart? If you didn't say that, that means your heart is already catching a cavity and you don't even know it. You don't even know mm. it. You think that it's not. And guess what? Our version of cavity is what? The Prophet Muhammad said. That there's this tiny black dot that just gets put on your heart. A tiny one. A very tiny, tiny, tiny black dot that gets put on your heart. Every sin you commit. Until your heart is fully covered with black dots. There's no turning back. Bro, and that's the time, the only thing that could clean it. And that's why the process is called tazkiyah. The cleansing of the heart. You have to cleanse the heart. No one can sit here and tell me that their heart is clean and they don't need to pray because my heart is good. I have a good heart. Who said your heart is good? What treatments have you given to your heart to say it's good? You understand? If we keep dyeing our hair, I mean, like I told you, I don't got any, but if we keep dyeing <laughs> our hair, you know what I mean? We keep dyeing our hair. 
They keep bleaching it, bleaching it, bleaching it, bleaching it. Women who do that, they bleach their hair again and again and again. Your hair eventually dies. So the, eventually the salon person, the hairdresser will be like, listen, you need to stop that process. Mm. You know, you need to start putting the conditioner on and all that sort of stuff, right? But no, no, my heart, my, my hair is going to be fine. You can't say that. Okay. What would you say to the heart? The same thing. If you're saying that my heart is clean, the question is, how have you been cleaning it? Mm-hmm. Where is the toothbrush for the heart? Where is your brush for the heart? Because the brush for the heart, according to Islam, is that salah that you're saying that you're already done. So the same way that you need a toothbrush to clean your teeth, a miswax to clean your teeth, you need something to cleanse your heart. And for us, the cleanliness, the cleansing of the heart, the purification of the hearts is the salah, is the salakah, is these things that is following and obeying and obeying Allah. Because when you're not obeying Allah by not praying, mm-hmm. you're getting the dots on your heart. So you're tricking yourself to believe that you, you know, your heart to clean this and that mm-hmm. until one day your teeth are falling off, you're getting infections, so on and so forth. And the infections of the heart are coming what form? Sadness. Depression, anxiety, mm. loneliness, lack of contentment. Which society is normalizing, by the yes. way. Oh, everyone has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. and yes, these thoughts do come about. Mm. But when you have the adhkar, when you have the purification, when you have the dua process, you're able to heal the heart. So the question to her or to anyone thinking this is, how have you been cleansing your heart? How have you been mm. And we're not negating the fact that it's supposed to be hard. We agree it is a lot. Oh, yes. change, you know? Yes. But at the end of the day, that's the thing. Like you were talking about, you know, cavities, diabetes, blood pressure. Bro, where they yeah. see this stuff runs in our family, left, yeah. right, and center. For real. But here's the thing. You could be off course with your nutrition, with your program, with your mm-hmm. fitness, everything. First couple of decades of your life. You're not going to be out of shape. You're not going to be diseased. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mm-hmm. be on prescription medications. Mm-hmm. It catches up to you sooner or later. It's kind of like the silent killer, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing. Yes, praying for high blood pressure is known as a silent killer. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, so yes, you are required to pray five times a day. You might not do it overnight. Mm-hmm. You are required to, you know, let's say, uh, men and women have their aura. You know, mm-hmm. hijab for men and women. Mm-hmm. Yes, we got to fast in Ramadan. It's tough, bro. Listen, being a born Muslim that was born into Islam and fasting since a young age. Bro, I still feel some type of way during Ramadan. It's tough. I still do it though, but it's tough. And you as a revert, I'm sure you can relate to it, that it's so tough. You know, the whole memes about not even water and all this. Yes, bro, not even water. It's tough. And we're not saying it's supposed to be easy. And we're not saying, oh, you know, just toughen up and stop stop being a wimp about it. Just do it. We understand it's tough, bro. We're going through the same thing. But if you've signed up for Islam, just know that this is a part of it. You're not going to change. You're not going to do things. You're not going to change the religion. By you saying that, but why do I have to pray and all that sort of stuff, that's changing the religion, you know? And you have to realize that this is your nafs speaking. This is not you. This is Mm. your nafs speaking. What are nafs for a lot of laymen? Nafs is that carnal desire. There's See, see my bro, this is what we need to realize, that the shaitan, we have two enemies. Obviously, one is shaitan, and one's our nafs, the nafs al-amara. The nafs that, only get satisfied when it displeases Allah. Think about this. This is the nafs that only gets happy when it displeases Allah. Uh-huh. It only feels complete and satisfied when it displeases of, uh, Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it, I believe in Surah Qiyamah about nafs al-amara, right? I believe so. Uh, one of, someone correct me, please. I could be wrong. I'm not the one that I should be quoting over here. That's Rami, okay? Let's leave it at that, okay? <laughs> someone correct me, right? But the nafs al-amara is the nafs that, um, that, uh, that calls you 
to disobey Allah. Hmm. So you're following your nafs, you're following that desire that only gets happy to disobey Allah. Like it gets happy to be lazy at the time of prayer. It gets happy, it's satisfied. It's satisfied when you don't pray to Allah. It's satisfied when you don't remember Allah. That's what makes it happy, right? It's this self-sabotaging mechanism that's within us that shaitan uses to operate, to poke holes in us that allows him to just use us like a little puppet. That's why when he's even locked up for the, the, the major jinn, um, are locked up in the month of Ramadan, Shaitan locked up in Ramadan. Why are we still committing sins? Because not only are we on autopilot, but we have the nafs al-amara. You know, we have that nafs that causes us to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's what we're following, we're listening. Mm. And He's put so much, you know, waswas in our hearts and in our ears and all that sort of stuff that. You know, this negative self-talk and this voice is causing us to be lazy. So when mm. you find yourself lazy, just know that this is a part of the shaitan. This is a part of his plan mm. to make you disobey Allah, right? And that thing that you find yourself lazy for, Allah gave you that. Like that thing that you're ignoring, to the thing that you're using to ignore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has given you that thing that you're doing. Mm. Ignoring Allah with, you know what I mean? So like, mm. we just really need to, th this is the main thing, bro. Making Allah a priority and not an option because that thing that you're oh, doing man. is your priority and Allah has become an option. Let's just keep it 100 with each mm. other, right? Like you've made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an option and you have to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a priority. And you might say, but why do I have to pray and all that? Because the truth is you've prioritized your life, your dunya, and you have made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an option. And that's just what it is. And the only way we can make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into a priority is when we acknowledge the current state that we're in. And that's what it would have to be. See, people can agree in this day of social media, there's so many ups, right? For example, I got SQ on Instagram, bro. I got SQ on, you know, all these apps. Where do I message you most? I message. Yes. Why? I know, direct I, contact. Direct contact. I have some people, though, I'll hit them up on Snapchat, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. I have some people, I'll hit them up on Instagram, nowhere else. I know, Anna's falling asleep over here, mashallah, may Allah bless you. Um, I know that for every single person I have in my circle... There's a preferred method of com communication, not just a preferred method, but a direct communication where I know they'll, they'll see that message. They're on this app more. Here we go. Here's the thing. Rami always mentions this, that we know that the most beloved acts, the, the, the Allah loves the most beloved, the things that he has made obligatory, hmm. right? Meaning the most ob obligatory things that we have to do in Islam, such as Salah, hmm. you know, Zakat, Ramadan, fasting, all that type of stuff. Hmm. Um, all of those things Allah loves the most. Then the slave does voluntary things until he gets close to Allah. But hear me out. So you're here noticing this person likes to be messaged on Instagram more. This person will only reply if I email them. Mm. This person replies only if I text them. This person I can only call. They don't text. But here I know Allah wants me to pray salah because he has made it obligatory, meaning he loves it the most. But I'm going to choose to just tell myself I love Allah and just not do anything about it. Or I'm going to do other things. Bro, it doesn't work like that at the end of the day. If you truly love the law, you would be praying. That's just that's what a it tough is. Well. Because if you if you love a law, if you love any like let's suppose it, like bringing this to obviously an example to over a person, like when you love someone, especially in the beginning of relationships, you really do anything for them, right? You do things to please them, so on and so forth. When we love a law, Subhanallah, you want to get to know him more. You want to get closer to him and all those things, right? And just remember out there, you know, don't don't try to change the religion around, but mainly just remember. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the deeds that are consistent. Mm. So start with that one prayer. Start with that one prayer. 
and just take it from there. See, and just build on top of that prayer, right? And just build that sort of momentum, that positive momentum, right? Build your stamina, that spiritual stamina. Build that up a little bit by getting more consistent with your deeds, right? Don't think that you have to hit all five immediately. It's all five or nothing, right? And we spoke about this. No, start with that one. Start with that one that's the most easiest to you, right? Perfect that. Add another one. Add another one, right? Perfect that. And Allah, just watch how Allah makes it easy for you because he knows you're striving in this direction. Mm -hmm. But don't ever think that you have to you could just abandon them all and Allah's Ghafur Rahim and all that. The, <laughs> the, the first thing that the son of Adam will be questioned about is the prayer. So don't don't play around with that. You know, start with that consistent action. And guess what? You start with the knee of the look. I'm gonna start with one, inshallah, and I'm gonna keep building it, keep building it, keep building it, and then two, three, and I'm gonna keep building my stamina until I get to five. And then guess what? You die in that process. Allah knew the niya. And where you're directing towards. You get me? Mm. He knows where you're headed towards. So you don't want to die in a condition where, oh, I don't have to pray. Versus you're mm. trying, you're trying, you're trying. You know, and we always want to die in a condition that we're trying. And going back to what you said, take control of your life. Don't be a victim over here. Don't be in all that. You know what I mean? And everyone will be responsible for what they've done. I mean, so as much as I would love to, you know, tie this <laughs> up, uh, would you say that that's how someone develops that love for Allah? Or would you say there's something else? Because you said that that was an important part. It's like, if, if you love Allah, then you're not going to be missing the prayer. You know, you're actually going to make an effort. Mm -hmm. So how would someone actually have that love for Allah? You now, to me, it seems very simple, but for another person, it might not. What do you think? You have to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, if I say, oh, I love Anhel so much. I gave a similar example last episode, <laughs> month, four months ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if I say, I love Anhel, mashallah, he's, he's my best buddy. I love him. And you're like, oh, really? Well, when's his birthday? I'm like, I don't know. Okay, well, what, what kind of hobbies do you have? I'm like, how am I supposed to know that? You know, it's like, well, you have a nickname for him? I'm like, I don't even know how to spell his actual name, bro. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, how do you love this? Was this lip service that you love him and he's your bestie, or is it you really exactly? His exactly. Yeah, you actually rather die. Yeah, and there are actually that's a good example because there are people like, oh, I love that person. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, I love him. Fake. They actually don't know him, so it is fake, one hundred percent. So you want to love Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? You get to know him. Yeah, you get to know him. And to get Allah to love you back, you have to please him. You have to do work for him. Yeah, Subhanahu wa Taala. So how would this person get to know? Allah. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy. He describes himself in the Quran. You read the words of Allah, Kalam Allah, in the Quran, right? You get to know his 99 names, his attributes, what he's done for you and other people, right? Like the hadith of the man who killed 99 people and so on and so forth. You get to learn about these characteristics of Allah and what they mean. And it's very in-depth, subhanAllah. I'll give a, a small example. You know, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. These are two of the most commonly used names for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Rahim, right? Surah Ar-Rahman, right? Inna Allah, Ghafur Rahima, right? Beautiful. What does it actually mean? If you look at Rahma, people say the root of Rahman, Rahim is Rahma, but Rahma has a root as well, which is Rahim, Rahamim. And Rahim is the womb of a mother. And Allah decided to use that term, right? The womb of a mother to... Uh, describe himself, you know, like, and if you look at the the womb of a mother, it provides everything that the 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 baby needs, everything, protection, nourishment, a place to grow, so on and so forth. Rahim, right? And Allah uses that to be a Rahman or to refer to himself as a Rahman. And a Rahman specifically is the one who's generally merciful to everyone, just because he's 
you know, they're the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala existing on this earth. Mm-hmm. That's what Ar-Rahman is. I wake up in the morning, a non-Muslim wakes up in the morning, I get food, they get food, I drink water, they drink water, he's Ar-Rahman, right? Ar-Rahim is a specific type of, of merciful. Ar-Rahim is, you see translated as especially merciful. It's the people who go out of their way to please Allah. They go out of their way to get that special extra mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that mercy on the day of judgment as well. Mm-hmm. So when you break it down like that, it's like, I know so much more about Allah now just by understanding what Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is Very deeper. Point. And, and you're hitting it on the head, bro. It's a disease in the heart. It's, there's a disease in the heart that stops us and we have to purify our heart. The number one thing that we need to do and how at least I would like to think about it is make the niyyah, make the intention, ask Allah, call out to Allah, oh Allah, fill my heart with your love. Make me learning about your attributes easy for me, Allah. Fulfill my heart with your love and pleasure, Allah. Allow me to understand who you are and help me, Allah, discover you. Help me learn more about you, Allah. Make this path easy for me, Allah. Be pleased with me. You're purifying your heart right now and you're actually calling out to Allah and just watch. I, I, I genuinely believe that when your heart is... Seeking true guidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously will not deny mm-hmm. that. And there's this one thing that I want to end on. You mentioned this one dua that Allah will never reject, which is what? It's the dua of guidance. Go into that. The dua of guidance. You know, we know that our duas, some may get accepted. They all get accepted. Like Allah hears all of them, He accepts them, right? But they might not manifest. Like some manifest in this dunya, hmm. right? Some will manifest in the hereafter because Allah was saving you. And some will, you know, protect you from a calamity that was happening. What do you mean by that? So basically a calamity was coming your way and your dua was going up. And the dua met the calamity. And plus, it was like a neutral effect. Hmm. But there's one dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never ever rejects. And it's a dua that will always come true for you. And that is the dua of guidance. That is a dua that will always get accepted. So don't ever think that that's not. When you ask Allah for guidance of your heart, when you ask Allah for guidance for your spouse, when you ask guidance of your children, when you ask guidance for your uh, the happiness of your home and anything related to guidance and just goodness in that direction, Allah will always, always, always accept that dua, which is all good, but you will see the manifestation of that guidance and it will always come true. Alhamdulillah. When you said the whole purification of the heart, man, it reminded me of the series that Abu Taymiyyah made. Have you guys seen that? Uh, On YouTube? Purification Tuskia, right? Yeah, shout out. Shout out to Abu Taymiyyah. If you're watching this, we wholeheartedly invite you, inshallah. Inshallah. But um, no, no, what he said in the the series is a lot of benefit. A lot of benefit. It, It all links to everything that we're saying here. But I think this is a great note to end it off on. I think we hit a lot of beautiful points. I'm very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Bismillah. Then, Jazakallah khair. With that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.